Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, welcome. If it's your first time joining us today at one of our churches, you could not have picked a better day to come because we're beginning a brand new series entitled Better For It. Now, there's a statement I think that I've heard almost every day for the past 14 months, and I'm sure that you've heard it a lot too. In fact, you may have even said it, and it is this. I'm ready for things to get back to normal. But what we're learning is that normal isn't coming back for quite some time, and it, it may never come back entirely the way that we've known it. Instead, what we hear about more and more is something that is being called the new normal. And part of that new normal is being dictated to us, but there's also a part of the new normal that we get to choose. And that's the part that we want to focus on today. So the question we want to answer in this series is, what have we learned over the past 14 months that we would not have learned without the pandemic? What has this crisis reminded us of that maybe we had forgotten? Or what are the lessons that we've learned that we don't want to forget? Literally, how can we be better for it? I mean, after all, if you've got to go through something, you might as well be better for it. Here's what I know. If we don't stop and ask ourselves the question, hey, what have we learned and what do we want to do differently? Well, here's what will happen. And you know this. We'll forget. We'll move on. We'll go right back to being who and doing what we were doing before this crisis hit, and we will lose the lessons. See, that's what most people do, not just with this crisis, but with every crisis in their life, with every negative situation in their life. But here's what I know about you as a church. You're not most people. And so we don't want you to waste this pain because, as you saw on the bumper, pain without gain is a shame. No, we want you to be better for it. No matter what the negative situation is that you've gone through it, we want you to be better for it because pain without gain is a shame. Which is why we believe this sermon series is going to be really helpful if you recently lost a job and maybe you're having to start over in your career. Or maybe you had a falling out with some family member and you're trying to start over and rebuild the relationship. Or, or maybe if you're a parent and the approach that you've been taking with your kids is not working and you feel like you've got to do something very different than what you've been doing. Or if the reverse is true and you're having to start over with your parents after a really rough kind of time and you've got hurt feelings, I'm going to tell you, this is going to give you a plan for doing that. It's also going to help those of you who are in a financial crisis and you're having to start over. So you're starting over because you're so far in debt that you're not sure if you'll ever recover. Or maybe some of you, you're trying to start over in your faith and you're trying to recover with God. Now, this series is going to be extremely helpful for you in whatever area of your life, whether it was your fault or their fault, or maybe a combination of the two, because we're going to discover how to be better for it, no matter what negative situation you go through, so that we can make sure the next time is not like the last time. See, here's what I know about all of you. All of us, we want our future to be better than our past. But here's what you have to understand. 
Next time can be better than last time, but not because you want it to. See, everybody wants their life to get better, but you wanting it to be better has very little to do with it actually being better. Because see, here's the thing. Intentions are just that. They're intentions. That they don't actually change anything. But here's what we also need to understand. Next time can be better than last time, not because you wanted to, but next time can be better than the last time because you have an intentional plan to be better for it. So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at what God has to say for how we can be better for it. And to get us started, here's kind of a preview of what that plan is. Basically, there are three components, three fundamentals that you need to follow. You have to own it, you have to rethink it, and you have to release it. You have to own it, rethink it, and release it. This is how you make sure next time is better than last time. Now, today, we're going to focus on number one, and that is own it. See, to be better for it, you begin by owning your role in your negative history. Do not miss that. To be better for whatever has happened in your life, you begin by owning your role in your negative history. Now, here's what I know. Whatever negative history is coming to your mind right now, whatever negative situation that you're thinking about, right now you're thinking, that wasn't actually my fault. That's what you're thinking. In fact, if we could sit down for lunch today and you would share your story of what happened to you, your story would be about them. It would be about that person. See, we are always convinced and we always convince ourselves it was their fault. It was that person's fault. And see, not only does that happen, then we have these well-meaning friends that come along and they sympathize with us when they hear our story and then they go on this rant about how bad those people were or that person was. And what they do is they end up reinforcing to us that it really is all their fault. The problem in every situation is that because of that, because of what we do and what sympathizing friends do, it's really easy to get distracted from what you did. And I know what some of you are thinking, but my story's different. You, you just listen to what happened to me and you'll agree, Paul, it was all their fault. And here's the thing, maybe it was mostly their fault. Maybe it was 99% their fault, but I bet if you were honest with yourself, you would acknowledge that there was something in the story that you never tell other people about the story. But down deep inside, you know, you know you should have paid attention to the warning signs. You know you should have listened to that other person's concern that they told you. You need to, you need to watch out for this. Or, or you should not have ignored God's prompting that danger was near or on the horizon if you took that step. Now, here's what I know. Because some of you are hurting deeply because of that negative situation. And some of you are going to think, well, why would you be picking on me after all, I am the one who is hurting. I am the one whose world has been turned upside down. 
I, I don't need to hear this. And yes, you desperately need to hear it. And that's why we're focusing on you because we care about you. And I know this is true from personal perspective. I have lived this. In fact, here's what I want you to think about this morning. Your best bet to be better for it in the future is to own your piece of the past. Otherwise, what's gonna happen is you're gonna keep repeating the same mistakes over and over, and you're gonna wonder, how do I keep ending up here? How come all of my dating relationships end up still just kind of looking similar? Or how come we always end up in debt? Or how come every marriage I've been in ends up in the same place? Or maybe yours is going to be, why do I struggle to get along with so many people that I work with? When will I ever learn? See, all of us, we've been through this process where we've seen ourselves go through the same process of self-sabotage over and over again, and we wonder why. So let's just jump in and find out how God tells us to own it. Now, John, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, he was an eyewitness to Jesus' death and his resurrection. He wrote four different historical documents that we find in the New Testament. He, he wrote what we call the Gospel of John, he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in his letter that we call 1st John, he explains what it looks like to own your share of the past and set yourself up for a much better future. Now, we're only going to read a couple of verses today, but I would encourage you to go home and read this whole letter. It'll only take you about 15 to 20 minutes, but it is packed with such great stuff. And I think it's like one of my favorite passages in scripture because it is the first book of the Bible I ever taught completely in, in a Bible study. It was my first Bible study that I ever taught when I started teaching the Bible. So it's a great book. It's easy to understand and it's packed with great stuff. So here's his advice in 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, John says, if you claim, well, I didn't do anything. This isn't my fault. This is all their fault. He says, then you're probably lying to yourself. And there's a word for claiming to be without sin that we use in the 21st century. And it's this word. It's the word blame. See, blame is when you tell the truth, just not the whole truth. In other words, you tell their part of the story with vivid detail and factual accuracy, but then your part, it is foggy or vague, and you leave parts of it out. And when you do that, John says, when you blame, you are deceiving yourself and losing sight of the truth. Because after a while, we will deceive ourselves into believing our little slight altered version of the truth. And what will happen is we'll undermine our own future. Now, this is so dangerous because of this fact. You can't blame your way to a better 
future. It never works. In fact, have you ever asked someone, how did you end up recovering from that? And they looked at you, well, I just blamed my way into a better future. See, here's what I know. You've never heard that story, have you? Or you said to someone, how did you end up out of debt and financially free? And they said, oh, blaming people. It works great. You should try it. No, you've never heard that story. Or if you ask somebody, how did you end up so successful? And they look at you and go, I blame my way right to the top. And we know you'll never hear that story because you never blame your way to a better future. No, what you do is you blame your way to a future that looks a lot like your past. In fact, don't miss this. I would encourage you to write this down. Blame enables us to smuggle our issues into our future. Now, this is so dangerous, but what this statement of blame enables us to smuggle our issues in our future, what it does for some of you, it explains the entire story of your life. Like every time you needed to start over, what you did is you just blamed your past on all these other people or that person. And without knowing it, you're sabotaging yourself because you're avoiding having to deal with the issues that are rattling around in your heart that are sabotaging you over and over again. And the reason they're sabotaging you is because you never owned your part of the story and never named your issue. It's why you struggle to be better for it. See, what blame does it lets you turn a blind eye to the issues. And we all have so many issues in us that can sabotage us. So it lets you turn a blind eye to the issues in you and condemn the issues in other people and issues that Jesus said, hey, you better be careful because when you're pointing out the sawdust in their eye, you still got this beam in your eye. And so what happens in the course of doing that? You deceive yourself into smuggling your issues right in to your future. So when you choose to blame others instead of own your part, you set yourself up for failure. That's why it's so dangerous, because blame sets us up for a repeat performance of our past. You just keep making the same mistake over and over again. You keep making the same mistakes over and over relationally or financially or professionally or academically because you're not dealing with your part of the problem. And here's what I know because see, blame was my default for years. It is so much easier to blame. It is so much easier to blame those people. It is so much easier to blame that person than to own your part. It's just not healthy for you. Because as John said, you're deceiving yourself. And self-deception eventually leads to self-destruction. So that being said, how do you shift from blaming to owning your part. Well, John tells us how in the next verse, verse nine. He says, if we confess our sins. So John says, this is how you own your part. You practice the art of confession. 
And confession is saying the same thing about your actions that God says about your actions. It's moving the focus from what they did or what that person did to what you did. And you're moving the focus no matter how small or how insignificant your part seems to you, but you're just being honest about it to yourself and to God. And John says, if you will do that, if you will own your part, there is this huge payoff. Look at what he says as he continues this verse. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, and don't miss the next part, and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what John is saying is, what you choose to own, God chooses to forgive. In other words, John says that God will, when you choose to own your part, God will remove the guilt and the shame and the debt from your part of the problem. But he doesn't just stop there. And this next part of the verse that John puts in here is so, it's just invaluable. He says, and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness, which simply means when you own your part, then he will cleanse. Then he is able to cleanse those issues out of your heart that keep sabotaging you. So God says, Confession, what it does, it unlocks his power to clean all of that stuff out of your heart that keeps sabotaging you. And the payoff is this. You experience peace from your past when you own your peace of the past. So here's my question for you. What was your part? What was your part? Will you be honest with yourself and own your part. And John says, if you will, here's what will happen. Owning your piece of the past, what it will do is it's going to lower the emotional intensity you feel every time you tell the story. It's going to remove the confirmation bias that you go into in every similar situation. And what you'll discover is that you're not quite as angry about their part anymore. In fact, what you'll probably discover is you're not even angry about their part anymore because you had a part too and you realize that your part is probably more self-sabotaging even than their part. And the other part of the payoff is is that when your emotional intensity begins to lower, then your clarity begins to rise and you gain the ability to think more clearly and make better decisions in the future. So here's your homework for today. And here's what I know. Nobody likes homework, but this is going to be very, very helpful. So what you're going to do for your homework is you're going to go home and you're going to create a specific plan for how you're going to get better for it as we go through the series. And, and here's the first part. Go home, pull out a notebook, and I want you to draw a circle, something like this. And this is what we're going to be calling the circle of blame. And I want you to draw a slice in this circle that represents your part of the problem. If your part was half of it, then draw that in and shade that in. If you were only responsible for like 25% of it, then your circle will look something like that. Now, for most of you, 
your circle of blame is not going to look anything like that because in your mind, your part wasn't that big. In fact, when you start really being honest with yourself, you're probably going to discover you had a bigger part than you thought. But for most of you, your circle of blame is going to look something more like this. This is what is more accurate in our minds because in our minds, it was almost all their fault. But okay, I, I played this little bitty part. So you draw your circle, and then you put in your slice of your part, and then under it, I want you to write down exactly what your part of the problem was. Put it on paper so that you're forced to identify it and face it and then confess your part to God. That's how you own your piece of the past. Now, to help you out a little bit, here are a few examples because, man, we would sure hate for you to struggle with your homework. So here's how you think about this. Depending on the situation, and I'm going to give you multiple scenarios, but you say something like this. You say, yeah, what she said, what he did, it really hurt, and it was so wrong. But you know, my part was I provoked it because I am so insecure. Or I struggle with jealousy so much. Or yes, I, was, I saw where this was headed and, and I was just way too embarrassed to get out. And, and, and that's really the whole truth is I didn't get out because I, I was just too embarrassed. Or I knew I shouldn't have gone in after that date. Or I knew I shouldn't have walked out or I should have walked out the minutes my, my buddies started doing that or I knew I should have called that off when it got to that point. Or maybe it was, yeah, what they did was wrong. But I just kept letting them do that. I should have confronted them, but I was afraid. I did not have enough courage to deal with it directly. It was just so much easier to bury my head in the sand. Or, or maybe yours would be something more like, well, I just kept telling myself I could stop whenever I wanted but I knew I was lying to myself. I, I kept telling myself that I had control of it, but deep down, I knew it had control of me. Or maybe yours is, well, the reason I ended up where I am is because I, I wouldn't be honest about my porn addiction or I, I wouldn't be honest about my alcohol addiction or my drug addiction or my prescription drug addiction. All of that played a factor in and it influenced the situation. That's my part. Now, that's hard to do. That's really hard to do, to be honest. But you need to sit down today and be honest with yourself and then list that out and be honest to God. Because if you wait until tomorrow, here's what I know. You won't do it. No, here's what will happen. You will wake up tomorrow thinking, you know what? They almost had me convinced that I had a part in this problem, but that's silly. It's not my fault. It's all these other people's fault, or it's that person's fault. I'm not about to do this homework, and I'm not about to go back for the next few weeks because I don't need to hear this. I'm going to show back up when this series is over. Listen, here's what I know. The devil wants you to talk yourself out of this, and if you wait you will. So take some time today 
to make the circle of blame. Draw your slice of the problem and then write down specifically what your part was and confess it to yourself and most importantly, confess it to God. Now, here's the good news because some of you are going to struggle with this. Starting over and owning your piece of the past, it doesn't disqualify you from God using you in the future. In fact, what it actually does is it qualifies you. I mean, think about it this way. Did you know that almost every single person that God used had a significant, or in a significant way, they had a significant point in their life where they had to start over at some point? I mean, think about it this way. Abraham got a promise from God. He lost his faith, messed things up. He had to own his part and start over. But because he owned his part, he became the father of the nation of Israel. Or think about Moses. Moses was trying to follow God's plan for his life. He went about it the wrong way. He killed a man. He was in exile in the wilderness for over 40 years. He had to start all over. But God used him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Or Joseph. Joseph became arrogant when he was younger. He got sold into slavery. He had to start over and own his part. But God used him to save the nation of Egypt and Israel from famine. Or David. I mean, think about David. Scripture called David a man after God's own heart. And David was doing what God wanted. And then he got distracted. He had this affair with this lady that led him to murdering her husband. And then he had to own his part. He was confronted by Nathan the prophet, but he owned his part and he started over. But Scripture says in the book of Acts that he went on to serve God's purpose in his generation. Or one of the ones that I think probably is one of the most painful was Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times with cursing and swearing when Jesus needed his support the most. And he had to start over, and it was painful. But he owned his part, and God used him just a few months later to launch the first church and see thousands of people start a relationship with Jesus. Or how about the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament? I mean, when Apostle Paul started out, he started out as Saul, and he was persecuting and killing Christians, and he had to start over. But God used him to take the message of Jesus to the entire Gentile world. Listen, starting over doesn't mean God won't use you. If you own your piece of the past, it actually prepares you to be used by God in greater ways than you ever have before, and you will be so much better for it so do your homework own your piece of the past because if you don't you will discover what you don't own it owns you what you don't own and deal with what happens is it ends up controlling you it controls your actions your attitudes your reactions and here's the thing you don't even know it's doing it but it's doing it and it's sabotaging you in the process. And we don't want that for you. And you don't want that for you. But you've got to own the whole truth about your part if you want to be free. It is the first step to starting over well and making it better. In fact, let me say this again. Next time can be better than the last time, but not because you want it to be. See, everybody wants the next time to be better, but your intentions aren't really that good for much. 
But what you have to understand is next time can be better than last time because you have an intentional plan to be better for it. And we want to help you develop that through this series because you have potential to make a huge impact in the kingdom of God. Now, next week, we're going to deal with the second fundamental, and that is rethink it. Because part of the reason that we end up where we end up is because of a lack of clarity in our thinking. So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to teach you to be better for it by helping you gain clarity in the way that you think. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us, and then let's go do our homework, and let's own our piece of the past. Because pain without gain is a shame, and we as a people are not going to make that step. So we're going to be better for it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this incredible word that the Apostle John gave us. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that inspired him to write this. So that even almost 2,000 years later, it is so practical, it's so real. Today, I, I pray that, God, we won't just think that, wow, that, that applies to me, but we'll do something about it. I pray that you'll help every Christ follower today to own their piece of the past. God, that we can really just be honest with ourselves and we can confess it so that we don't keep smuggling our issues from the past into our future. And God, for every student, for every man, for every woman who has never truly owned the fact that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, They've never said to you, Jesus, I confess that I have sinned against you. I've sinned against other people. And I need you as my Savior. I just pray that today will be the day that they own that. And if that's you, will you just pray in your heart this prayer as I pray it out loud? Just say, Jesus, I, I confess my sin to you. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I've sinned against you, God, and I've sinned against the people that you created and that you died for and that you love dearly. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. And I ask you to purify me from all unrighteousness as I follow you and walk with you. And God, from this day forward, I'm, I'm going to own my part in every negative situation. I'm going to be honest with myself about it, be honest with you. And I thank you that you're going to purify me. You're going to forgive me and purify me so that I'm not continuing to smuggle these issues that's, that cause me to sabotage myself into the future. And thank you for giving me clarity to see what those are as I own them and confess them. God, I, I thank you for each person who just prayed that prayer. And I, I just ask that your Holy Spirit will just come and confirm to their heart that your spirit is indwelling them and living within them. You're going to help them through this process. God, I just thank you that as we all own our part of the past, God, that we can have peace with our past and we won't keep allowing it to sabotage us in our future. Thank you for your love that guides us to learn and understand from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
hey, thank you so much for being with us today as we kick off this series, Better Forward. And if you just prayed to receive Jesus Christ, please let us know on that Connect card that you received inside your worship guide when you came in the room today. And you could just leave that face down on your seat, or you can put that in the giving boxes on your way out of the auditorium today because we want to follow up with you and give you some next steps or another great step for you would just be stop by the gallery and let us personally talk with you and help you begin the process of taking next steps on your journey with Jesus. Hey, thanks everybody for being with us today. We'll see you next week for part two of Better For.